Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to a Manchester United show. It's not the weekly show, uh, just a quick blurb, I suppose, if you want to call it that. Um, we're in between so many games at the minute, so myself and Martin will be back after the game at the weekend on Saturday. Um, I'm joined here with Callum, my regular co-host today, after Liverpool have won the league. Um, I want to vent a little bit on this show. I want to talk about a couple of other things. First of all, Callum, how are you, man? Not bad at all. Um, and you mentioned the fact that this show is an unprecedented show because of the situation yesterday. Liverpool have ended their 30-year wait. Um, lots of people, um, just a few journalists today have questioned why Manchester United didn't tweet out a congratulatory tweet on that behalf. I know you've got a strong opinion on that one. Yeah, I was wondering why Donald Trump hasn't cheated one out, and I wonder why the Queen of India and uh, whoever, you know, somebody's granny in their basement hasn't congratulated Liverpool. Do you know something? I don't understand this. I, I, I've i seen a lot of United fans out there. I'm a Manchester United fan. I don't believe I've been quite magnanimous in, in sending a number of things. Something, by the way, that Liverpool fans have never bestowed on United fans or in Manchester United Football Club. Well, I've said they deserve to win the league. I've said they've had a brilliant manager who's extremely likable. These are two things I've never heard ever said about Manchester United. Or Manchester United having the greatest manager arguably in world football, who was loathed by Liverpool fans, who was constantly besmirched, who was constantly slandered, who were told that the league, every time United won the league, we were told it was rigged, it was fixed, it was referees were in their pocket, they had David Gill working at the FA. There was never any congratulatory from Liverpool fans, never. Liverpool fans saying, do you know what? They thoroughly deserve to win the league. It's hard for me to say that about Liverpool. It's hard for me to say they deserve to win the league. It's hard for me to say these things. And Liverpool fans know this. But Liverpool fans picked on me last night, which is just insanity. And this is part of the thing that really makes them hard to like. Because they have a love-in with themselves that they don't understand why the rest of the world doesn't love them the same way they love themselves. I said all these things, they deserve to win the league, clap, grave manager, all this. The one thing I contested, and I will contest it to my grave, is that it means more. It's arrogance beyond belief. It doesn't mean more. Are you telling me that it means more? Why would it mean more to you as a Liverpool fan than what it would mean to a Leicester fan? Or why would it mean more to you as a Liverpool fan than it would mean to any other football club who won the league? It's an arrogance that bestowed upon themselves that they don't deserve. A title they don't deserve. And let's not pretend, Callum, that they're the most lovable fan base in the country. Because there's a litany of issues that they like to airbrush out of history that never gets mentioned. Because, yes, it, everybody thinks their football club's special. I think my football club's special for obvious reasons, right? But I didn't turn around, and nor did Man- Manchester United didn't turn around in 1968 and say it means more to win the European Cup because 10 years ago our team died. I didn't say that. Why does it mean more to Liverpool? And I'll tell you something else. If those celebrations don't wind Manchester United Football Club up, don't infuriate the ownership, don't infuriate the players, then they're all heartless, they're, co- they're cowards, every one of them. Because I can't stomach it. I look at myself and I'm like, look, I commend them. I know that it's the other way around. It's difficult for Liverpool fans, right? But I, 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 they just, as I've said, they deserve the, the title. But what I can't stand, and this doesn't happen to anyone else. Maybe people get bored with United winning the league. Maybe people got bored with Manchester United winning it year after year. So they never felt compelled to do this. But this 
mandate that we must all buy and fall in love and 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 and, and continue to just extol Liverpool and have all these superlatives whispered about them about how they're the greatest ever and all this nonsense. Absolute nonsense. They're an exceptional football team. They deserve to win the league. Why is that not enough? Why must you demand everybody goes overboard? I've never, ever demanded of any Liverpool fan that they bend, bend on one knee and say, we are the greatest ever. It's an absurd request. Nor should they expect it from Manchester United Football Club. Can you imagine Boca Juniors congratulating Liverpool? Or vice versa? Rangers congratulating Celtic? Or vice versa? It wouldn't be expected for obvious reasons. But what I hope, more than anything, Callum, and I'll let you speak here in a minute, is that the, the powers that be at Manchester United are hurting like I'm hurting. Like my other Manchester United fans are hurting. They're looking at that and going, watch that. Right? Because it's not just the Liverpool celebrating the title win. It's celebrating their, their, their dominance of Manchester United. It's celebrating their ascendancy over you. You're going to knock them off their fucking perch again or are you going to let this happen? Are you, going to, you, are you going to stand there and watch this? Is this a football club that's content with finishing top four or is this a football club that's going to go out and go after them? It's up to Manchester United's football club and their players to answer that question. Absolutely is. And I, this might sound strange to some people listening, but I actually think this situation should play into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's hand this summer with the transfers in the sense that We've, we've known in the past there has been allegations from previous managers, Ed Woodward and the transfer committee, whoever they may be, and weren't keen on certain targets of previous managers, most notably Jose Mourinho, who's went on the record to say that. Therefore, if Solskjaer wants three players this summer, or four players, however many he wants, we all know he wants Sancho, he's in a position now where he should be using this as leverage, if he has to, which I hope he doesn't. He should be able to say, see those scenes... They've made me, as a Man United legend, sick. They've made our fan base around the world sick. And we need, we need to bounce back. We can't talk about five-year plans and ten-year plans because, no disrespect, then you become the next Liverpool when you're waiting 30 years. You become the next Arsenal who are waiting nearly 15 or so years because the moment you continuously bang on and on and on and on about a five-year plan, you end up, that becomes your default. There's never any pressure to improve now. And I think Solskjaer gets that. I think the um, acquisition of Bruno Fernandes was a step in the right direction. He settled very well. I think Paul Pogba's return, he seems more focused. People may say because of the situation, he knows he can't get out. But he seems more focused and his performances would indicate that. I know it's only been two. You've got Martial, you've got Rashford, who are now 14 goals apiece in the Premier League. They should be pushing to get to 20 each before the end of the season. These are players who can improve for the future. Solskjaer now needs to say to Woodward, yes, I've got Fernandes. Yes, I've got Pogba. I've got a Martial and a Rashford firing, but you need to add to this now. We need to take this on to the next level. We need to use this marketplace as a chance to catch up quicker than maybe we ordinarily would. If we get a Jadon Sancho in, that's going to improve us automatically. If you ask me honestly, Phil, we need a new left back, and this is not me Agreed. wanting to, to call Luke Shaw out. I think Luke Shaw has been through a horrendous ordeal with his injuries, and um, the way he's been treated uh, in the press by certain aspects of managers in the past. 
which will have been hard to deal with. We all forget footballers are human beings. But what I would say with Luke Shaw is, he's not the left back who's going to play in a title-winning team. You look at the difference between Shaw and Andy Robertson, for instance. Andy Robertson has pace, he has power, he is direct, and he can defend. Luke Shaw can defend unless it's against real sublime pace. But for me, when he goes forward, too often it's the easy cutback, cut back, play a side, a side ball. It's not get to the byline and get across. It's not hit an early cross and hurt the opposition. For me, that's a concern. And another player that I'm going to speak about is a centre-back. For me, Lindelof is a good player. I don't think he's a title-winning centre-half. I don't think Maguire is a really top centre-back in the Premier League, but I don't think Maguire can carry him for a season to win the league because he's shown if you rough him up, he, there's trouble. And that's before we come to the De Gea situation. So for me, United need to address centre-back, left-back, right midfield, and all he's got a big decision to make in the goalkeeper. And we can't afford to say, I'll oh, see how it goes for a season, make a decision and stick to it. Luke Shaw gets targeted by good teams. If you've got quality, Luke Shaw is the player that gets targeted. He was targeted by Spurs. Mourinho knew how weak Luke Shaw was. And told Bergwin, just run him. Right? Because he's off on one-on-ones. Right? We've seen, I've seen it so many times. I remember Wolves away. Uh, one-on-one, uh, skinned. No problems. He's slow. Uh, and these are the questions you know to have to ask themselves. What are we? This is the questions that the board have to ask themselves over the summer. What are we buying for? Are we buying to finish top four? Are we buying to win the league? This is my concern. My concern is the people that run this football club, that sign the checks, aren't emotionally engaged, nor are they emotionally involved in United winning the league or not. They're, they don't care. I don't think, I mean, yes, it would be nice if they won the league, but I think they care about financial return. And this is where you have a problem. This is where I hate the whole top four thing because it's totally ruined football for me, right? Top four is not a football goal. Nobody should be celebrating top four. Nobody. Other than the people at the, uh, 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 the boardroom of football clubs. It's not success in any measure if you're a Manchester United football club. It is not. Now, I accept that this season, this would consider as a consolation, but that can't be the target. No, absolutely. Can I just come in there as well on the top four situation? And the reason I want to come in is because this annoyed me with Arsenal. Um, under Arsene Wenger for many years. Well, you've got to get top four. You've got to get Champions League football. What's the point of getting Champions League football if you realistically can't win the Champions of League? Of course. Then you become a Maribor. Then you become a Batty Borisov. You become a team who's in the party. But let's be honest with you, you've got no chance of, of lasting and being the last man standing at the party. And for me, that is, as you've said, too much of the problem. Brilliant. You're in. You get good TV money. You get good money for winning games. You pack your stadium out. But if, you, if you're a club like Manchester United, a club like Arsenal as well, you should be looking to not just get in the Champions League, but compete at that level. Anything else is a shambles. You look at United a few years ago being put out by Sevilla. Sevilla are a good European team. But this is Man United we're talking about. We're in the Europa League this year. And again, people say, oh, but if you win the Europa League, you're in the Champions League. Yes, you do. But winning the Europa League should be a springboard. It should not be something that you, you look back on with immense pride for years to come and say, I could us in the Champions League. It should be a springboard to say, we won it and now we're going to compete at the elite level of the Champions League quarterfinals onwards. Couldn't agree more. 
whenever you qualify for a Champions League, if that's not used as a springboard to bring in the players that you need to push you on, that's the only time it represents success, is it gives you the opportunity to bring in players so that, just like you say, you're at the party and you're not showing up at Battle of Buckfast. You're actually showing up with actual quality and it can compete, right? So when we've, we've looked at United before. We've often said... Um, Champions League is crucial to bringing in top players. But when you look at the seasons they qualify for Champions League, they never follow that up by bringing in quality. So I don't believe that to be true. I, don't, I think that's, that's a ruse. And, you know, just take it back to a couple of things you were talking about earlier. When you talk about whether we want to win the league or not, you can't win the league with Luke Shaw. Brandon Williams is a good young defender, but he's not ready yet. They'll be playing week in, week out, right? So that has to be addressed. Lindelof, to me, is a day on Lovren, right? Decent centre-back, but not great. Right, and easily targeted by top players. Absolutely, United don't have the quality to play it from the back. Right, you see this all the time. Maguire not only needs someone with pace beside him, but he needs someone who can play with his feet. Right, United the ball playing centre back. Lindelof to me is it gets bully too easy, and I think it was Mourinho actually said this about him too. It gets bully too easy. You can bully him in a game, and that's obvious. He doesn't have a physical presence about him. In the air, very poor, he struggles with long balls, and that's something that teams will exploit. And the other problem United have in that regard is, yes, Maguire can win the headers, but see if you get a ball that goes over Maguire's head, he doesn't have the pace to recover, and Lindelof isn't going to win a one-on-one battle in there. Well, you saw what happened against Spurs when Bergwin caught and said, not only did Maguire not have the pace, Shaw didn't have the pace, right? And there were one, in, in that gap, right, uh, they were exploited. Shaw comes very, very narrow a lot, right? Which gives teams who have good width a lot of opportunities against United. You cannot play Shaw and Daniel James in the same team. You just can't. You don't get quality in front of defenders with Daniel James. Daniel James is a squad player. Daniel James has no business being in any team that wants to win the league. Starting. For, for me, I agree with you in the sense that I think Daniel James is the sort of player you bring on at 70 minutes when the other team are dead in their feet. And you make him stretch the game, stretch the game, stretch the game. Well, we, we've seen enough of him to know his strengths and weaknesses. He's not a bad player. He's worth the money that you need to pay for him. But he's not, he, and he's a decent player with pace, but he doesn't have enough in front of a defender to really worry them, right? His, his final ball is not bad, I must say. When you never playing solely on the counter-attack, where they weren't dominating possession, and they weren't playing a slower dominating possession game where they creep from down the middle, then he was very useful. But now we United are starting to dominate possession more because they've got possession-based players and Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. So a lot of the plays in front, Daniel James is too easy right, to mark out of the game. Because if you give him a ball to his feet, he doesn't have tremendous quality. Not a bad player. But if you've got a team with a high line against you where you're playing on the counter-attack, great, no problems. But the problem is he just doesn't have the quality. Right wing has to be... A priority and if they do something like bring in Villian on a free instead of getting Sancho then you know that this club's going for top four and not the champ not the league. Villian's a good player but I just fear that it's going to be too tempting for United to look at that and go short-term fix let's take him uh, and we'll worry about Sancho next year. That's, that is my fear. United Solskjaer is going 13 games unbeaten right the statistics are fantastic um, I think in those 13 games, it's something like they've conceded three goals at home and scored 30, right? Magnificent. Definite progress, legitimate progress. They, they were excellent. Um, not excellent. They were quite good against Southampton. I like the, 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 uh, the, the, the 
uh, perfectionism from Solskjaer that he's demanding from players that he's not content with just winning three nil, um, and he wants to, you know to be a bit more clinical. I I can see that. If he doesn't get Jadon Sancho this summer, it won't be because Solskjaer doesn't want them. It'll be because, once again, the United Board have failed to land the major target. They failed to land Erling Haaland. They failed to land Bellingham. And I do not believe, if Borussia Dortmund are getting a commitment from Jude Bellingham that he wants to go there, why on earth would they concede the United that you can have Jadon Sancho if you move out of the way? I don't believe that. And here's the thing about Jude Bellingham. People say, oh, he's going to Dortmund because he's going to get in the first team. Dortmund can only make Jude Bellingham the same promises United can make him. If you play well, you will be in the team, son. That's all. You can't say to anybody, you will guaranteed start every week. It's always contingent upon how you play. And one of the things, if you look at Juventus, Juventus are bringing in Arthur. You take a look at the depth of their midfield. And one of the things that I was thinking about when, at the weekend when I, or the other day when I saw Fernandez injured, there is the problem. Yeah, it's starting squad is quite strong. Quite strong. It's missing a couple of players, as we said, in the midfield. But once one or two pick up an injury, the quality drop-off is immense. Two things can never happen again. Jesse Lingard and Andres Pereira can never be seen in a Manchester United shirt ever again. They're nowhere near the quality you need at this level. Nowhere near it. Those two players must be moved on this summer. I agree with you, and I think... Moving players on is, is a challenge, and I hope, and, I, I mean, and I'm, I'm serious about this because it really peeves me off, if we hear the nonsense of we need to move players on before we can sell, no, you don't, because see the players we're trying to move on, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to Pereira, I don't mean any disrespect to Lingard or Jones, clubs are not queuing up to buy those players. What have you seen from those players over the last three years if you're a buyer saying, oh, I need to make sure I get him this summer? You're not. The only way you're doing that is if you're a team maybe in the bottom half of the Premier League or you could be a team abroad maybe hoping to get some sort of preferential loan agreement where United pay some of the wages. And that's something that's an issue. And the other thing that concerns me as well is the David De Gea situation. Mm -hmm. And the reason it concerns me is because I understand Graeme Souness the other day was saying, bring Henderson back and make them compete. My main worry is if Henderson becomes number one and De Gea's still around, he could become an Alexis Sanchez. I'm not accusing him of being a bad character because by all accounts, he's a nice guy. But see if you're sitting on a substitutes bench earning circa £300,000 a week and you know you're the number two, it is easy to get, for me, I think, from the outside looking in, it would be easy to get a bit downtrodden and just give up. And I think we can't afford to let that happen. We need, we need Solskjaer, as you've said, 13 games on the bounce, a positive atmosphere there, a patient possession style of play, but with the dynamism of the likes of Rashford, uh, Greenwood, to take players on and get in behind, they need to keep that energy up. They can't have anyone sucking the energy out of the dressing room. And that goes for Sanchez when he returns as well. Uh, for me, uh, you need to get rid of him. You cannot put him back in that dressing room. I know some people say, oh, give him another chance. I, don't, I, I, I think we're past that now. For me, we're past that with Sanchez. Listen, Sanchez has to go... The... De Gea, I would listen. De Gea now leads the league in individual errors that have cost our team points. De Gea used to be worth nine points a game, right? Not nine. When you look at uh, these players, this is where you have to be ruthless. If you want to win the league, this is where you have to be ruthless. When you look at the players that Klopp signed to, to bridge the gap between being a good team and a team that wins the league, it was a centre back and a goalkeeper. It was Van Dijk and Allison. Those were the two players that transformed Liverpool from a very good team to an exceptional team that wins the league. And they both cost a lot of money. And with the hair, 
there's a problem. The hair's at the prime of his career. This is not a blip. This has been going on way too long. This is not a one-off issue. You know, and this is something that for no matter how exceptional David De Gea has been, and he has been many, many times, he's not the best goalkeeper in the world anymore. That's, that's and I, I don't blame Solskjaer for saying it, by the way, but he's not. But on top of that, Tom, you look at, whenever he was under, like, under Van Hal, Van Hal dropped him because of the contract situation. Uh, and then when the contract situation was coming up again, he was playing poorly and you were thinking, is his head not right? So this happens a lot with the hair. So at this point, look, if you look at the points in there that have dropped, we're still talking about a top four team, really, right? But if you know don't finish inside that top four, which is a realistic possibility, Callum, right? Then Manchester United must have the courage to, uh, to, to get rid of players who are almost good enough. But I, I, I seriously have my doubts that that's going to happen. One of the concerns um, I have in that regard as well is Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling's been doing well at Roma. Um, mm-hmm. He's been doing really well at Roma. My worry is United go, give him a new contract and <clears> give him another go because he's earned it. Yeah. And for me, again, I can understand some, some, some part of that argument, but for me, you need to move on. There's too much history there. I don't understand there. any part of that argument. I, I don't. I mean, Chris Smalling, I, I, really likeable guy. Deserves to stay in Roma. It's worked out for him. I, I hope he stays there. I hope he gets a permanent move. Uh, I think it's good for him. But we've seen enough of Chris Smalling at Man United to know that he's not the answer. We need a proper centre-back, world-class quality. And I have my concerns of you know, scouting ability and being able to get these players. Um, but you know, to give you another example, <clears throat> Kylian Mbappe. This is where I would be really concerned if I was now. Mbappe's been, been batting eyelids at Liverpool. The rumour is, not, very, very, a bit stronger than a rumour, that Mbappe's going to run his contract down at PSG. His contract expires in 2022. That gives PSG two years now to sell him. If he's definitely committed to running his contract down, they're going to look to sell him within six months. Somebody could get Mbappe for relatively cheap in today's market with him running his contract down. They're not looking at United anymore, Cal. We are where Liverpool were. And listen, they took them 30 years to win this title. That could be Manchester United because I fear with the ownership structure of this football club have a different definition of success than what United fans do. They have a definition of success of being profitable and that's it. And that is the problem with this type of ownership. It's what happens at Arsenal, right? And when you continuously target the top four, all it takes is to get one or two things wrong, and then you're a mid-table team. And as bad as Arsenal are, what are they, three points behind United? Three well, or six? Well, that's the thing, yep. I think, I think, it's, uh, I think it's six, if, yeah, but now that they've won their other game. But something else that concerns me, to be honest with you, now Greenwood's an exception, so is Rashford. But, and again, I don't want to single the young man out because he's young and... And by all accounts, again, he's got tons of ability. But I want to talk about Axel Twanzebe. Axel Twanzebe turns 23 this year. Yeah. And every single summer, what it feels like to me for the last four years, this will be Twanzebe's year. He's going to break in and be a centre-back. He's going to break in and be a centre-back. Oh, no, I don't think we should sign another centre-half because Twanzebe's there. He's not playing games. In his Manchester United career, he's made 10 league appearances since 2015. 
he is 23 this year. If he is going to be a centre-half for Manchester United, by the age of 23, he'd have played more than those games. And the other thing as well is, we've talked about Lindelof being shaky um, in, in certain games. If that's not enough to give you your chance now, Axel, I, my, I would suggest you move on for first-team football. Now, if you're, you, if you're United, you might want to be smart about it, like Liverpool have done in the past, and maybe put a buyback in or something like that in case he goes, gets a rerun of games and proves to be the player United thought he would be. But for me, we cannot say he's going to be coming in there to shape that up. There needs to be a new sign in there because, as you've said, Maguire and Lindelof will not win you the title. They will not. Listen, when you look at United's remaining games, they've Norwich away tomorrow. They should be comfortable in that game. I would expect them to win that game. Then of Brighton on Tuesday. Bournemouth, I expect them. Brighton will be a tough enough game away from home. It'll be a test if United... But uh, it's a game they should win. Bournemouth is a game they should win. Villa away. be a tough game because Villa's chasing relegation. It's down to stay up. And they've showed some fights. At Hampton at home, you'd expect them to win. Palace away. West Ham at home. And then that big one, Leicester away at the end. This is a dream run of fixtures for United to get form and finish in the top four comfortably. Because I think Leicester are catchable by both United and Chelsea. Right? Um, and really, this is an opportunity for the players to then make a statement. If United can, let's say, they win, or if, they, if they won, maybe, how many, many games have left? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. If they win seven of the last eight games, draw against Leicester, that would mean they haven't lost a league game since Burnley. Jay Rodriguez, I think, was the last player to score Old Trafford. Yeah. That, to me, would give me confidence going into this summer. If Solskjaer is not backed on the back of a run of like that, it is an absolute disgrace. There is no excuse. No excuse. Maybe the owners can put back in a little bit of the billion that they've taken out and support the manager. Because it's not just Solskjaer's reputation on the line. It's not just Solskjaer being tested right now. It's the people that run this football club. And there's been certain things that have come out in recent weeks that should be re- as great as things have been. I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. Patrice Everett's statement that uh, that um, Edward Woodward said he was a director, called himself a director of football, is extremely concerning to me. As I said before, Edward Woodward's an extremely nice guy, very, very nice human being, but he has no business making football decisions. It's the equivalent of me making American football decisions. I know nothing about the sport, right? Leave that to people that do. Leave that to people that dedicate their lives to it. And... We have to worry about catching City and Leicester before we worry about catching Liverpool. That well, is a serious that, concern for me. It is a concern, and the other concern is Chelsea signing Timo Werner, and by all accounts, Abramovich wants to back them heavily this summer again. Yeah, yeah now, I'm here. You, you don't <clears throat> want to go down a route where you're catching Chelsea as well. You need to compete in this market this summer. And the other thing I want to add to that is, we talked about Solskjaer, if he wins seven of the last eight games, and he's won, so that would be 20. 20 out of the last 21, he would have won, which is incredible. Um, what, I would, what I would argue with that is if he's not backed in, in, in that regard, then obviously I know modern football people don't resign, but I would resign and, and put the spotlight in the ownership because if they don't back him, he has a poor few months and he goes, as you said with players earlier on, where Mbappe wouldn't look at United. What coach, elite coach in world football is looking at United going, give me that job? I know people will point to Pochettino, but he'll be, he should be in work, you would imagine, in the summer. And then okay. my, my worry so is you get down that route of a manager 
like Van Hal. Now, all respect to Van Hal, he's achieved incredible things in the game. However, I do think he arrived at United too late in his career. I think if United got him, obviously you wouldn't get him 10 years earlier because Ferguson was there. But I think if you get him 10 years earlier, you get the true Louis Van Hal. I think the Van Hal arrived at United. Post-international management, a more laid-back approach. I think that initial period of the first season was difficult for him adapting back. And United needs to make sure they back the man they've got in charge at the moment. Because the last thing you want to be doing next season is having another scramble for a manager. Because my worry is, there's no obvious names out there who scream out to me and say, oh, he's going to come in and he's going to transform the club. You know what concerns me? It concerns me that when they see everything going well, they lose a sense of urgency that something needs to be done. And then they become overconfident that, oh, it's not that bad. We're great. We're in great shape. And then you go to the owners and you say, listen, we need three, four world-class players. Bollocks, so always doing great. We're doing fine. Oh, but just, we don't need to do anything like that. That's the only concern that I have is that this is a football club that I, I get concerned that are quite reactionary, right? And instead of we are going to stay the course, we're going to focus on exactly what we need to do and what we said in January won't change this summer. This is what we need. United badly need quality on the right-hand side. Badly, right? Uh, they've got the best goal to turn from Martial this day in, in his career. 19 goals a season. That's a healthy return. And there's 25 goals a season in Martial if he can stay fit. No question. Quality is, is, is excellent. He's very, very good. The only thing that, that's maybe missing out of Martial's game is he's quite a deep land number nine. He's not a guy that sits on the last shoulder, which was kind of nice to see the two goals that he got against uh, Sheffield United were poachers' goals, were goals sitting on the last defender. That's, I remember Solskjaer saying that um, he wanted someone that, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was about being desperate to score goals in a, for a number nine. That's what United need. Um, Martial has the quality to be the be one of the best strikers in the world, in my opinion. Exceptional talent. So does Rashford. They badly need a Jadon Sancho, quality type player on the right-hand side that, that, that will not only score them 15, 20 goals a season, maybe 15 goals a season, but will also create 15 all goals a season. There's obviously other players. I, I just have a concern. Chelsea's making a statement, as you said. Other clubs will make statements this summer. United have to also do the same. They have to go out and show that they are for real, that they're back to manager this summer, and that results, if they continue to win games between now and the end of the season, finish top four, one of the things I just pray to God they don't do is drag out some stupid saga and, and with uh, someone like Jaden Sancho drag it out to the last minute and end up paying what they would have paid a month ago. Because you see Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes should have been here six months earlier. He should have been at United Absolutely. last summer. If he's at United last summer, right? Because they ended up paying what they would have paid for him six months prior. If they'd have got him that summer, United wouldn't have had the issues that they had in midfield. The problems at United this summer, this season, were entirely predictable and entirely avoidable. It was absolutely disgraceful to let the midfielders leave this football club this summer, last summer, and not replace them. Disgraceful. There's no excuse for that. That's not planning. That is an aptitude. That never should have happened. Well, they they should have had Bruno Fernandes done. And don't forget, Count, they came out and lambasted the press for, for even linking United with Bruno Fernandes. And the other thing I was, I'm interested in your perspective on this, something that always, I always think strange about United. You see a club like Chelsea, they signed Pulisic, 
Sign Zayic. Two players who play in positions where they've got some decent players, Hudson Adoy, etc. But they want strength and depth. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people will say United won't sign Grealish because they've got Bruno. But why not? If Phil will go down and he's available at a reasonable price, why not? Because well, then you've got, you've, got more, you've got more flexibility. Because the main concern, you've talked about this as of I in this show already, if Bruno Fernandes gets injured, my worry is they go, shit, right, back to square one, we'll just counter-attack. And we cannot afford to go back to that. You cannot put a, a system in place that works and has a vital cog in that system removed and then you have to go to plan B straight away. You should have a replacement who come in. We've talked about Pereira and Lingard are not the answer. They are not. So get someone who is and get someone who is happy. I mean, people say, oh, Gilead will want guaranteed first-team football. Not going to get that at Liverpool. It's not going to get that at City. Spurs, you could argue maybe, but I don't really see him being a Mourinho-type player. So for me, he's someone you would go out and get and say, see if you play really well, you'll start. See if you don't, make an impact off the bench and have the depth that we need. I just said this about uh, Bellingham, right? You can't promise anybody anything other than the fact that if you play well, you stay in the team. Absolutely. That's all you can do, right? And so... I don't believe that United lost Ballingham because Borussia Dortmund were promising something United weren't. I don't believe that, right? Secondly, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned Pochettino there. But since when did a sack Spurs manager become a Manchester United candidate? Is that how far we've fallen? I mean, Pochettino's a decent coach, if that, there's no doubt. But that Spurs team in his last year, where they were dreadful. We had Harry Redknapp on the show a week ago. He was talking about how poor they were. And when you, when you talk about United's midfield, take a look at the depth of our rivals in midfield. Take a look at the depths of teams that have taken winning Champions League seriously, that win the domestic league seriously. They don't sit still. Juventus have won eight Scudettos in a row. Or we think this will be the way. They've already went out and spent 72 million on the midfield. Take a look at how many players they have in the midfield. Right? I think they've got something like nine first-team players that would start. Right? Like Iron Ramsey, Rabiot, you know, Pjanic, I don't think you're going to sell Pjanic, Arthur. You just go on and on and on. You don't have that quality. And if we, Pogba's injury situation, you don't know. So that, but let's say Pogba gets injured. That leaves you needed one creative midfielder. Is Bruno Fernandes going to play all season? It's absurd. They have to have more depth. And if you're a top player, like if you're a Grealish and you want to go to your top club, just like we said, all you can do is play your way into the team. Do you believe in your quality? That's the question you ask someone like Jack Reilly. Do you believe you're in your quality? Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe that you're better than my midfielders and you're going to get in this team? Because it's not about me making a promise to you. It's about you making a promise to me. It's about you coming down to me and saying, I'm better than what you have and I'm going to get in your team. Absolutely. And we see before we go today, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of time here. Yeah. Tell me three realistic players you would sign for United this summer. My three, I'll give you mine first. I would sign Sancho as a matter of urgency. I would bring a new left back in. We spoke mm-hmm. to Aaron Barton a few weeks ago. Alex Tellez is on the market quite cheaply. He would be an improvement on Luke Shaw, absolutely. Mm-hmm. For me, centre-backs, a centre-back is crucial. For me, if you're looking for a, a left-footed centre-back, Romagnoli, AC Milan, uh, someone who would interest me. Whether he would leave the club, I don't know, but AC are hardly in, in the best shape. He's someone who, ball-playing centre-back, could bring it out from the back. Um, a cheaper option if Bournemouth go down, not saying that's where you should be looking, by the way, could be Nathan Ake. Could he be someone who comes in and strengthens that defence? You could argue yes. Um, those, are the, those are the three signings I would make. Sancho, Tellez, and a centre-half, Ake or Romagnoli for me. 
I definitely think Sancho is one. Right? I think if you look in the strength of the United team, and we'll finish it up here. The goalkeeper's under question. Left back, no question. Needs strengthening. Right? Yeah. Uh, we need another midfielder. Right? If someone gets in there, uh, at least one more. Right? Um, I think that they need quality in the right with Jaden Sancho. Right? And eventually they're going to need another top class striker. Right? Because Igalo is okay, but again, my concern with United is always what if someone gets injured? Right? I don't think Igalo is someone I would trust starting week in, week out. If Anthony Martial, Anthony Martial's injury record is iffy. If he picks up an injury, he's out for three months. I, I, that could cost United the title. Something like that could cost United the title. Igalo is fine as long as Martial stays fit. But even though at that, you know, if Martial can have a tendency to drift out of games like he did against Spurs, it's very difficult to bring Igalo on and change the game. Good player, great for the League Cup games, great for the Champions League games that you've already won or that when you're already through, great for the FA Cup. But is he a player you would trust week in, week out? I wouldn't. We'll see. We'll leave it there, folks. Myself and Martin will be back with another United show over the weekend after the Norwich game. We'll be recording. Um, just wanted to get this out today. Obviously, United fans are hurting over what we're seeing with Liverpool. Um, it's Again, we, we've been magnanimous in congratulating them. They've thoroughly deserved it. We can't deny reality. Um, and, and they've done so many things right. I want to see our football club hurt the same way I'm hurting, the same way every United fan is hurting and respond properly and make sure that they do not get it wrong this summer. That is unforgivable. And I hope that the likes of Sancho and what have you gets done early so that we're not sitting here the week before the transfer deadline going, come on. That is absolutely unforgivable. We'll leave it there, folks. Callum, all the best, man. All the best.